Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Movies That Matter. I'm your host, Chris Flaherty. Thank you for joining us for episode 10. And my guest today is James Hurley. James, how are you? Hello. I'm doing all right. I'm happy gl- to be here. I'm happy you're here. I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast because <laughs> I, I, just, I just said to Varys the last time when they were on for Spider-Verse, um, I remember telling both of you about this, mm-hmm. the idea for this podcast, and you both just kind of went like, you just raised oh, your yeah. hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I was like theoretically guest zero <laughs> in terms of like you asked Varys and I at like pretty much the exact same time and we both volunteered, but then, uh, I, I am a very busy person. I I know you are. Well, I did. It's taken me almost a year to get to 10 episodes. Yeah. Well, I feel that the, my show has been running for 10 years and I'm only at 30 something episodes. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) folks, James is the host of James's house of rock and a frequent YouTube personality and multimedia master. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he's been a student volunteer here at BCAT for many years and has collab- almost 10. Yeah, almost 10 years and has <laughs> collaborated with me on many public access escapades. <laughs> um, and he's also studying at Leslie University for a degree in digital filmmaking, making us proud. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much entirely influenced by... <laughs> coming like cat. starting here yeah that's great uh because I, I would have probably ended up either in business or in um, music if i hadn't started here <laughs> no you, you you did exactly what i did is yeah you, you came here and then you decided <laughs> i'll make a career out of oh this. yeah so <laughs> and here you are <laughs> and here i am full circle um all right let's talk about the movie yeah. that matters today uh begin again from 2013 written and directed by john carney uh starring kira knightley mark ruffalo and James Corden. You didn't warn me that James Corden was well, in this so movie. So thankfully, thankfully, this is this is like pre-annoying James Corden. True. This, true. this is this is very early on James Corden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then Adam Levine. I was surprised. Yeah, he's he's a he's a weird outlier in this film in terms yeah. of like the rest of them are like pretty much on the same kind of like celebrity status, if mm-hmm. you will, especially at the time. And yeah. then just Adam Levine. It's like, like way higher up. <laughs> first, last, and only acting role, right? Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure if it's like. If it's his only, but yeah, it's going to be one of his first. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't did, see him very often. Yeah. He, he did okay. Yeah, he did pretty good. Thankfully, uh, he's only in like, I think, six or seven minutes of the film in yeah, total. probably <laughs> like, total. Anyway, yeah. uh, begin again. In your own words, can you tell us what the film is about? Yeah, so um, rundown producer or record producer uh, Dan, played by Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. um, hears a... Uh, singer perform a song played by Kiara Knightley uh, while he's at a bar and um, the two hit it off and decide that they want to record like an album together. Um, Kiara Knightley's character Greta is there because um, she was brought there by uh, her ex-boyfriend who has now become a rock star and has cheated on her and that's where she ended up in this bar from. Uh, So after an unsuccessful attempt to get signed to Dan's old record label, uh, they decide to record an outdoor album where they record different places around New York Mm -hmm. um, instead of like a standard studio. Mm -hmm. And hilarity ensues, if you will. (laughs) Now, this is a first for the podcast because for the first time, a guest has introduced me to a movie. (laughs) I've never seen this movie until you said you wanted to do it. It, Not many people have. I know. And... (laughs) I think they should. I think it's a very good movie. I do. I do very thoroughly enjoy this film. I have probably, 
on an actual realistic level, I have probably seen this movie about 30 times. Wow. How <laughs> did you first learn about this film or what attracted you to it? So I don't really quite remember, but um, I believe it was like I saw a trailer for it before one of the other movies that was coming out around that time. It okay. was one of those like throwaway trailers where it was like, oh, and by the way, this one's also coming to theaters because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's distributed by the Weinstein Company. We won't get into that. Um, Doesn't exist anymore. But, yeah, it's um, it was still considered like one of those like lower budget indie kind of things. Right. So it was one of those like last roll trailers. <laughs> it's like when like a movie pops on DVD, they just throw like ten trailers yeah. on before you hit the menu, and it's just like trailer number nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, because I did actually the first time I saw this movie was in 2013. I saw it in theaters mm-hmm. uh, when it had come out. Um, I of course was. I think I was 12 or 13 when the film came out. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can go by the year. But um, I so obviously I didn't really have my own means to go there. So I, I asked my mom, I was like, hey, can we go see Begin Again? <laughs> like, I, I don't know why the trailer just like, uh, I know this is one of your future questions. I think we were moving on to sure. anyway, no, but we, I'll get into it. We, we jump around here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had like, I had asked my mom, hey, you want to come see Begin Again with me? Because like, she had she hadn't even heard of it, and I don't remember thoroughly from ten years ago where I first heard of it either. But I know I was drawn to the film because it just seemed fun. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, obviously, Avengers had like just come out, so Mark Ruffalo was a right. yeah. <laughs> was a draw, and then um, I, I was a huge fan of Maroon Five, so Adam Levine was a was mm-hmm. a draw too. And then like the whole idea of like just recording music and recording an album is just super fascinating to me, and I love mm-hmm. I love that concept. So. Yeah. It was a movie that I definitely wanted to see, and I was probably one of only, like, 100 people that saw it. <laughs> well, people are still talking about it today. Yeah? Well, I haven't done you too much me. modern... Re- oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what stuck out with you in that first in that first viewing? What's really funny is that nothing really stuck out to me on the first viewing when we saw it in theaters. It was, it was one of those things where, like, oh, that was a fantastic film, and then I'd kind of forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, it was actually a couple of years later when I was browsing, um, like the on-demand services of okay. of the premium channels we had on our cable package, mm-hmm. and uh, it came up because it's it's a Stars distributed film, so Star right. Stars had it on their their on-demand, and I was like, oh, this was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna watch this again, and then I I think by that point I had started, I had started JHR, I had yeah. started. Um, going back into music production and and like I had gone into this whole creative world by then because you got to remember in 2013 I was only a year in here, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I hadn't really fully immersed myself yet. So I think that whole like creative aspect of it and and like the inspiration of like making an album and and like sticking it to the record label or whatever and mm-hmm. like the whole redemption arc of of Dan and Greta mm-hmm. um, really stuck out to me at the time as like a, a blossoming creator if you will Mm -hmm. what really got me was the the contrasting perspectives of greta and dan in that opening sequence at the Mm -hmm. bar because greta's on stage and like i'm sure a lot of musicians have experienced this where they're playing like at an open mic and Mm -hmm. no one is paying attention (laughs) so it's just like a lot of noise Mm. but then we see dan's perspective and he is just because he has the ears for it He's lasered in, and then he's envisioning like the the violins. Yeah, I love like, that work. scene. That was amazing. Yeah, I, I love like, that scene so much where he's like building on the song right. in his head, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the instruments are moving by themselves. I have to wonder if that. 
have to wonder if that was CGI or knowing the budget of this film, it was probably guys in like green morph suits <laughs> that they that they were playing the instruments and then they green screened them out mm-hmm. <laughs> or chroma keyed them out. Yeah, I now I need to see behind the scenes yeah. footage. <laughs> yeah, I need to see like green men. My Blu-ray like, might have behind the scenes. I'll take a uh, look. <laughs> um, no, you said you saw this with your mom. Mm-hmm. Is this a significant movie for the both of you? Have you watched it a lot with her? Or? Uh, no, mostly uh, any post viewings have always pretty much just been me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a nice movie that I used to put on in the background when I um, when I was like doing something really late at night mm-hmm. <laughs> by myself because it was just a nice comfort mm-hmm. uh, feel good movie to put on as not noise in the background because usually i'd end up giving up whatever i was working on Mm -hmm. to be focused on the movie even if it was the 20th time i had seen it yeah but uh if you asked my mom she probably wouldn't even remember what film that was okay (laughs) Uh, so it's a personal film for you and it's it's like it's a comfort film um and you say you watch it by yourself a lot have you introduced it to other people or yeah um it's one of those movies that like getting into to both of my relationships when you mm-hmm. when you start to do like the icebreakers if you will and talking yeah. about like favorite movies and stuff like that it always mm-hmm. comes up because it's been my number one film for a while yeah uh and and so uh both relationships have had seen it <laughs> well, that's good. Now, um uh you know one in the past and my current one mm-hmm. um and i don't think the movie meant quite as much to either of them obviously my my current one did enjoy the film quite a bit that's um good. that's a good sign yeah <laughs> But yeah, uh, most of the time, no, I haven't really introduced it to too many people other mm-hmm. than like uh, significant others. Okay. Um, lost my place here. Um, <laughs> I think we might have touched on this already, but what like really connects you to the film? I feel like I I sort of saw a little bit of your perspective as I was watching it, but I like, mm-hmm. not to get, not to therapize you, this isn't therapy, yeah. but <laughs> what like really connects you to this film? Well, so I... I as I briefly touched upon just a little bit ago, it, it's like the, one of those things that it was more the timing of it. Mm-hmm. Right as I had finally gotten into the film a couple of years later, like I said, I had started becoming a creator at that point. Right. I had started my production company. I had started JHR. I had started making music again. Like, and, and it just felt nice to, I love shows and movies that cover like making stuff, yeah. <laughs> like creating stuff because mm-hmm. I, it always feels so inspiring to me. And it's something I can latch on to, to be like, Oh, if they're doing that, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, it's fiction, but it's still one of those things of like, oh, like if they were able to like put a recording studio in a car <laughs> and take it around New York, mm-hmm. maybe I could do something as fun as that or something as big as that. Gorilla recording. Yep. It, it, <laughs> I was sort of like, it drew me back to when I was younger. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, me and my crew well, like we were making like our short videos at beat yep. cat back in the day like just going out to places and filming yeah. like not having permission <laughs> to be there oh but, i've never had know. permission to pretty much anywhere right. i've like, ever filmed yeah I was like that's what took <laughs> it took me back to like those times mm. when like you know just learning the craft getting it done any way possible yeah and, and I, I think it also goes into and I, I i don't didn't really see any other questions that could pertain to this point that I have, but I, so fine. I'll insert it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the fact that this isn't a love story. Right. Like, I, I really love the fact that Dan and Greta don't end up together at the end. Like, I understand that there's a, a significant that, age difference. <laughs> like, no, but there, I was like, there was that one hot moment where they're like staring yeah. at each other for a while, and I yeah. was like, don't do it. Yeah, I, I really 
deeply respect the idea that they didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> turn into a love story. Right. Because, um, like, age gap aside, because mm-hmm. in the film, I think Greta and, and, and Dan are supposed to be an easy 10-year difference from each other. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it happens. But uh, I that, like that whole arc where they it starts to be less of a romantic thing and and mm-hmm. more of just a, a mutual respect and building each other up meant mm-hmm. a lot to me yeah because I, I like that whole idea of like you don't have to fall in love with everyone you, you come along with some right. people are just there to set mm-hmm. you back up for success or yeah for respect or whatever it might be yeah the the romance is is the work for yeah them. they love their work yeah, and exactly d- don't get mad at me when i say this i've sort of felt like it was a street level la la land at times <laughs> okay i can see that no yeah. i i can definitely see that i i think it's the they both convey the same message in a in a different industry right. so like mm-hmm. when begin again is focused on music la la land's more focused on the film industry yeah but it's still the same kind of idea is like um sebastian and Mia. Uh, Mia. I couldn't remember Emma Stone's character's name. Sebastian and Mia. You just say Ryan and Emma. Yeah, I could have just said that, too. I want to act like I know things. (laughs) It's fine. Like, the the two relationships between the two films kind of mirror each other in a way of, like, the whole, like, mutual respect and building each other's careers up kind of thing. Not that Dan needs it in Begin Again, but um, La La Land just took the more romantic route (laughs) to that. And I think, like... Sort of, in some ways, at the end where she decides, I don't want mm-hmm. to distribute the song on a major level. Yeah. I want to just put it on internet for a dollar. Mm-hmm. I think that says a lot about, um, like, the passion for your work and not compromising your vision. Yeah, exactly. It's a. It's more of a... a um, not doing... Like, it, it's more doing it for the passion, like you just said. Yeah, right. and and... It, it's a lot more respectful than <laughs> giving out to a record label kind of thing. Right. And I, I think not to compare this to La La Land for 45 minutes, but <laughs> there is a big part of that movie where, um, see, I don't remember his name now either. Sebastian. Ro- Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> he joins up with John Legend's band. Yep. And I know he has a character, but he's just John Legend. Yeah, that's Legend. fine. It's just, he's just playing John Legend. <laughs> right. And like he, he's not playing the music that he typically likes. Yeah. He, he's sacrificed his passion for, for seed money. For seed, yeah. Really. So I think this film says a lot about staying true to who you are and staying mm-hmm. true to your work and your passions and stuff. And I, I think the, the film conveys that through the difference, um, the different career paths that Dave, Adam Levine's character, mm-hmm. and Greta take on their respective journeys because they both essentially have the same journey, but they go completely different ways. And it kind of shows how the same path can either corrupt or, <laughs> right. Or grow or, or not grow, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, at the very, at the start, like Dan is like shooting down this audio commentary track yep. of an album, which <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. And he's just sort of like, like he's kind of like, we forgot what we were, we yep. were the music industry and stuff. And Greta is just very about keeping it simple and stuff. Like, yeah. It's about the music. That's all it is. Yeah, she even says it herself. It's like it's easy to, to get what you want when you don't even want it. <laughs> right. And then there's the part where she wrote a song specifically for him, mm-hmm. at, for Adam Levine. Again, another singer. I don't remember his name. Dave Cole. Dave, Dave, Dave Cole, Cole. Is, his, is his character's name, but you can yeah. refer to him as either. Very names. close to Dave Grohl. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, she wrote this song specifically for him, and then like he produces it. 
like on a mass level for everyone. And yep. it, it changes meaning. And there's a lot of like difference in perspectives in this movie. Like we talked about the difference in how Greta sees the open mic versus mm-hmm. how Dan sees it. And then you have the the song, which I think was nominated for an Academy Award. If memory serves, something was. I don't yeah. necessarily know if it was that song particularly. I forget but, which song, yeah. but it's the song that she writes. Like it almost changes meaning when yeah. he performs it on stage and oh, stuff. Um, the Lost Stars. Yes, the, that the, the, the one essentially that was the title theme for the movie. Yeah, yeah. It changes meaning once it's like put in new context and mm-hmm. stuff. It reminds. It reminded me a lot of. Uh, Remember me from Coco. Okay, yeah, yeah I like how seen, bad. I haven't has... seen Coco, honestly. What? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> what? Wow. Okay. I was on vacation. Never mind. I was on vacation when that song or when that movie hit theaters, and then I just never got a chance to see it before it left. And then I've had plenty of time to watch it. I just I. <laughs> We'll get, we won't get too far off topic there. The, the point I'm making is the song, there's a song in Coco that is, we hear it three different times. Yep. And the lyrics don't change, but depending on who's singing mm. it, and it develops new context mm-hmm. and stuff. And that was apparently is what makes an Academy Award nominated song. <laughs> I mean, us humans, we love emotions. Yeah. So when our it's emotions like, can be played with. We're bound to like it more. Yeah, it's like, uh, what did George Lucas say? It's poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're a big music guy, and obviously you're a content creator. You're mm-hmm. studying film and stuff. How do you think this film has sort of impacted your work? Like, is this the kind of stories you want to make? Is this, or do you think, like, this film has sort of inspired you to make stories like it? Or Yeah, I mean... It- um, if we want to talk about changing perspectives, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like every time I watch this movie, it means a little bit something different to me. Okay. Uh, because as I progressed my studies and as I went into film and everything, because obviously when I watched this um, movie to begin with back in, in 2013, I was just getting into television and filmmaking. I was mm-hmm. a, I, I was dead set on music <laughs> yeah. before then, before joining here at BCAT in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, when I first watched it, it was like, oh, cool, like, inspiring music and everything. Like, I, I, but now I feel like I look at it from a filmmaker's perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. I look at it as as how they made it as a film rather than the story of the movie. Because I think I've seen the movie so many times that I don't have to pay attention to the plot itself anymore. Okay. Uh, I look at it from, like, a a filmmaker's perspective and a screenwriting perspective and stuff like that. And it's very, it gives me a good glimpse on how to write characters because I feel like... Mm -hmm. Uh, both Dan, Greta, and Dave's characters are also well-written without being completely forced, mm-hmm. that I can take notes from that kind of thing of how to write, like, let's say, deadbeat characters or, yeah. or down-on-their-luck characters or timid characters or mm-hmm. overly overly passionate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I... Even watching... So I watched the movie the night before we were recording this just yeah. to, like... Not that I needed a refresher, but just mm-hmm. to watch it again for the hell of it mm-hmm. um, before being on the podcast. And, like, I noted... I thought of it so much more in a perspective of filmmaking like the the scene with the instruments moving in dave's yeah. head that's the first time viewing this movie ever i thought of how did they do that was that cgi was that guys in green screen suits mm-hmm. um moving the instruments and then just chroma keyed out and then right. like i thought of uh, so i've been writing a feature film myself mm-hmm. lately um in fact that's what i was working on just before we were recording this Ooh. um and scoop <laughs> And it, and it, it almost show like I, I almost took this opportunity last night to look at like the, 
the plot progression and mm-hmm. how they stretched out the plot to an hour and a half or however long this movie is. I'm not actually sure. More or less. Hour yeah. And a half. Um, so I feel like every time I watch it, <laughs> it gives me something new <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as I progress my studies as a filmmaker. That's awesome. Turning less from a film and more into a, how did they make this film? <laughs> mm-hmm. What, what character in the film would you say like you really gravitate towards most? The most. I'm kind of a blend of, of Dan and Greta. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it, I take Greta's like shyness and passion and, and mm-hmm. well, I guess shyness isn't quite the right word, but like as, as much as I am on camera constantly, I don't like being on camera. <laughs> Me neither. Um, as much as I'm on camera yeah. constantly. Um, and you a lot of people that have known me personally have noticed that like in my last couple of projects, I've moved behind the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> James's house of rock is about the only thing that I still do on camera. Yeah. So like there is that level of like, um, shyness and like not wanting to show any of it. Mm-hmm. And then also in Greta's character is the, um, idea of like not thinking anything of my work. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause like I, I've had this discussion with Varys before, and I think we've even mentioned it in one of my podcasts, um, that, like, we've been doing this kind of stuff for so long that we don't even, like, think of it as anything anymore. Because, mm-hmm. like, casually mentioned to somebody that you, you went into television production at 11 years old, <laughs> they might be like, wait, what are you talking about? To me, that's just completely mm-hmm. normal. I don't think anything of it anymore. Or even more so, I don't think very positively of my work very often. I always think that there's more that I can do or more than it can be and like things I did wrong or should have done different. And I think Greta embodies a lot of that kind of stuff too, mm-hmm. uh, in that she doesn't think anything of her songs. They're just for her cat as she yeah, states. I, <laughs> like I like they're, that, yeah. they're, they're for me and my cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Dan's side of things, like struggling with mental health and all that, trying to be creative while, you know, not being great in the head is is difficult, and I, yeah. for the sake of being too personal, I won't get too much into that. But. Sure, uh, <laughs> no, this is uh, entertainment is subjective here. Yeah. So <laughs> don't feel don't feel pressured to share or overshare. <laughs> but uh, I think we're show, we're showing our age difference here. Mm. I think I might gravitate more towards Dan than Greta because. <laughs> uh, you say you've been doing this a long time. Oh, I oh I know you've got well more years on me, a decade or two maybe. Uh, no, not a not a, more about than a decade. two decades. About a decade, a decade yeah. and change, we'll say. And yeah, I mean, you kind of start going through the motions mm-hmm. for a while, and uh, yeah, you're just like, yeah, this is this is my work. Yeah, you know, and you know, you don't think much of it. Like, I think I hit that point too early because of how early I started, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like even uh, I say like. Like she says, it's just for the cats. Like the best thing I could say is like, oh, the the stuff I make is just for like my friends and family to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm not trying to like get famous off a of lip yeah. dub. It would it would be nice. <laughs> Those it would be nice. Are great. But I know. It, yeah. like someone out there. In, oh, yeah. in Poughkeepsie probably found my YouTube channel with <laughs> lip dubs on it and probably is like, I don't know who this kid is, but <laughs> he really he's really entertaining me here. But you know, I it, it's again, it's that personal connection. Like I'm just doing it. You know to entertain mm-hmm. the folks around me and yeah it, it's hard to like not be critical mm. of your own work um and for doing it for for so long it's just kind of like yeah that's that's another one in the portfolio yep um <laughs> and I, I think what dan said the the line about the string of pearls that kind of that, oh, yeah, that yeah, really yeah. hit me He's yeah like, sometimes it takes a long time to find a pearl and i was just like 
Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Damn, Daniel. <laughs> oh, let's not get back into that. No, I won't. <laughs> not to say that I don't enjoy my work, folks. Mm. But, you know, it, it's been a year. Yeah. So I enjoy every single aspect of it mm-hmm. until it's released. <laughs> right. And then, then once it's released is when I start having a problem with it. Yeah, like I'll be editing it and I'll be like, yeah, this is turning out pretty good. And then, like, I'll hit export and I'll put it on YouTube and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to watch this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just covered that with your <laughs> with your with your film that you showed me yeah. not too long ago. Well, yeah. that, that's a whole. Other well, yeah, thing. that is a whole other thing, but it still follows the same yeah. idea. But like, I can't I can't watch myself on mm-hmm. camera. Like editing, like let's say the like, the Burlington Town Tree lighting. Yeah, that's torture. <laughs> that is torture for me. Yeah, I I think it it's the same with me with JHR now, and to the point where I've even I've made so so many of the the JHR asset stock if you will Mm -hmm. that i don't even have to watch myself most of the time i just have to find the important parts in the episode to edit the other things in yeah and that's it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and funny enough like editing like the tree lighting is hard Mm -hmm. but a lipped up no problem well because maybe it's because it's not your voice well and that like (laughs) my my workshop is like that's that's not me yeah that that's some that's your character within your your group hug universe yeah that's a weird like that's that's something um, that just comes out of me every every <laughs> few months. Um, we got way. Hey, off that's topic. all right though. That's that's the whole point of the pod, of podcasts like this. Uh, let's talk about the music because yeah. it's a musical. What about the music really attracts you in this film? I just I attracts, love yeah yeah attracts you to this film. Yeah yeah yeah. 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 Um, I just love the the um, like the, I guess grassroots. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. the best way to put it, grassroots way of of doing these songs. Like, mm-hmm. um, my one unfortunate uh, thing with this film, and I understand why they couldn't have, is on the soundtrack on like Spotify or the CD you can buy. Mm-hmm. It's not the outdoor mixes. It's right because like studio recordings, yeah. <laughs> which obviously they couldn't have actually. Rec- well, actually, one of the songs, um, the song that they do on the rooftop. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where Haley Steinfeld joins in with the guitar, there is the rooftop mix on this on okay. the soundtrack for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the songs are like studio recordings, and I almost feel like they lose a bit of their charm through the studio recordings. But yeah, I can see um, that. I do time like if you heard the the actual outside ones. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it's terrible. Yeah, I'm sure it's absolutely terrible. But they made a lot of money off that album. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> in the movie, yeah, um, yeah, ten ten thousand overnight. That's quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, when you have CeeLo Green or whatever his character in the movie was. Another odd inclusion yeah, in this movie. What's really funny is you can probably you can pretty much tell that CeeLo Green even doesn't want to associate with this film again because um, wants to associate with CeeLo all Green of, anymore. All of his songs on the soundtrack are off the Spotify version. Oh, okay. Uh, like, they're grayed out. You can't listen to them. And mm-hmm. that's usually a licensing thing. He must have not have renewed his license yeah. um, to those songs. But anyway, yeah, I just like the grassroots, like singer songwriter style to them because mm-hmm. it makes it feel achievable if you will it's it's yeah. the same kind of idea like i was mentioning earlier where it's like if they did this maybe i can do something like that and like hearing yeah. such simple lyrics such simple like guitar and everything like that it's like mm-hmm. i could probably theoretically do that if i really wanted to yeah. is this the typical type of music you like i know you're james's house of rock well the rock part is honestly really only there now because it's the brand <laughs> 
but it, it's more become James's house of music. Yeah. Um, it's not too oh, late to change the name. It's a little late. It's been 10 years. The okay. JHR, well. like that JHR acronym is so, I, I pulled the KFC. I stopped referring to myself as James's house of rock and have shortened it down to JHR mm-hmm. most of the time you because the, that you did the Duncan thing. Yeah. The Duncan thing. Yeah. Um, cause like the rock isn't really part of the brand much anymore. It's, right. it's, and, and it's kind of, it's funny. It's almost reflective of how I, like the musical journey I went through mm-hmm. <laughs> since starting the show is like, I listened to a lot of rock and, and, and and stuff like that mostly influenced by my mom mm-hmm. when the show started which is why like and a lot of the early bands that i talked about were rock bands or pop punk bands or mm-hmm. whatever uh but now in the recent years especially since hitting college and and like having a lot more time on the buses and trains in, mm-hmm. in my commute and having to find new things to listen to mm-hmm. while i'm there uh my musical taste has gone all over the place now it's okay. it's all over the place this is like this soundtrack is not something I would have typically listened to, let's say even ten years ago, mm-hmm. but it's something I definitely love now. I love that singer songwriter style yeah. music. Well, I mean, people people change, and as you said, like the different times you revisited this film, you've got something yeah. new out of it. You've your perspective on it has changed, um, but you nailed the core value of like getting out there and getting your work done. Yeah, no matter like if you got to pay some kids five bucks to just be quiet <laughs> for half an hour while you record in an alley yeah (laughs) it's like the whole staying true to your passion and like keeping the drive and yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i I saw a lot of you in the film when i was watching it i was like (laughs) this is james james gets his stuff done no matter what um and honestly i think it's a it's a good message for all young creators like Mm -hmm. you to like do the work you know just find a way to do it yeah It'll be hard. There'll be setbacks, but you can find a way. And the path to success is not straight line. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> like it's not a singular straight path by any means. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. As it, and I think the film definitely, like, nails that in, which mm. is like, I'm going to release this online for a dollar. And then yeah. blows up. Well, yeah, because it's better to just get a dollar out of it than uh, – a dollar out of it and just have it be the dollar than losing $9 to a corporation that doesn't need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, this film's kind of got a good reflection of the change of time of like how, like I think maybe back in 2013 when social media wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah, Facebook would have like just been, it right. just hit big and I don't think Spotify would have been well, anywhere near where you say Facebook just hit big in 2013? Well, 20, 2012, 2011, 2012 is when I started, like when it started to hit my age at least. Okay. I, I, I know that it was like an older generation before that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, ouch. That's, um, I, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's so much easier to get famous now. Mm-hmm. You think like, with like, TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, you know how YouTube weird this Twitter. movie probably would have been if it was framed in nowadays with all the different music distribution platforms. No, and stuff? all uh, all what's his name would have had to do was just put a TikTok of her up mm-hmm. online, and she would have blown up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, it's definitely a, a nice. Refl- I don't even know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> it's it's interesting how things have changed, mm. like getting your work out there and yeah. achie- achieving success and achieving fame. I thought it was even really funny in, in the last couple of viewings. I've noticed this, how like, obviously Dan is an old fashioned kind of person in right. terms of he sticks to his, his old core values, if you will. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea of the headphone splitter is kind of funny to me in today's light. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole film, mm-hmm. honestly, is the scene Mine where they're too. walking around New York yeah. with the music playing, but mm-hmm. 
nowadays it's like, oh, let me give me my other Bluetooth earbud. Like <laughs> you could split them up. It's so nice. It's so like, ni- it's a nice scene. I love that. Oh, scene. I, oh, the sentimental value of it's amazing. Which is is. Mm-hmm. Where I like that they didn't take that in a romantic way, and it was still just yeah. a, a respect of the other person kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of Baby Driver, but I don't think he used a splitter in mm. Baby Driver. I think they just shared <laughs> one ear. <Yeah>. <laughs> um, not we've talked about that scene. What other scenes really stick out to you in the film? I I really like um, the scene on the rooftop when they first bring. Violet, right? Is yeah. his daughter Haley Steinfeld, Haley Steinfeld um, Violet, up to the yeah. roof, and like at first she's very hesitant to join in, and then and yeah. she, her music, her guitar gets even louder and louder until she's a full part of the the band, mm-hmm. and then like the uh, the dude in the window is like, "I'm gonna call the cops." He's like, three more minutes," and it's like, <laughs> like it "You ever experienced that, James?" Uh, not while filming, but I have. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um. <laughs> Did you ever see the original lipped up in the parking garage? Yep. The, Kesha? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have. Yeah. Cop showed up. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I've i had people concerned about my well-being. But yeah. Well, <laughs> like, they, I, we, we said, like, oh, we're just doing a school project. And it's like, all right, just clean up when you're done. Yeah. Because uh, there, was, there was one thing I shot up at a playground, mm-hmm. and, and it required the character to scream <laughs> oh. at one point. And, and <laughs> that didn't cause a disturbance at all. Oh, uh, well, I mean, it was already a playground full of kids and parents. We were just, like, off to the side. We were stupid, like, 12-year-olds at this point. I think I've seen that um, one. He might have. Actually, I don't even think we were 12. I think we were, like, 14 or 15. Was but, it like, part of the movie Making Kids festival no not okay. destroying the stars this That's was a couple years after destroying okay. the stars this was right. called bucket night right. uh destroying the stars was filmed in a relatively empty simon's park gotcha <laughs> at the time no mm-hmm. bucket night you can even hear because i couldn't cleanly cut it off in the editing you can briefly hear a woman off to the side go everything all right over there <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> um any other scenes that really stick out i like the the characterization for in the very beginning opening scene of Dan, where he mm-hmm. wakes up, goes yeah. out to the balcony in his underwear, smokes a cigarette, and then goes back to bed, <laughs> and and just has like the dirtiest feet in existence. <sighs> and <laughs> I feel like it's just like the absolute perfect introduction to his character and mm-hmm. one of the perfect intros to a movie like that. I know I did like his um, he's sampling everybody's mm. demos in the car. And he's just dumping them out of the window. Yeah, yeah honestly, there isn't really a lot of scenes in this movie that aren't good no like <laughs> i do think that one with on the roof and like violet like encouraging violet to play i think that mm-hmm. speaks a lot to them a lot of um a theme in the film which is like just giving a creator a chance mm. you know which i i always love the irony of that scene considering Haley steinfeld is a successful musician and yeah right and even was when this movie was filmed I know, like, we forget she's a singer yeah she does so much acting now. <laughs> um i did want to talk about the um there's there's two scenes with Adam Levine. Okay. Um, and it's the breakup scene yep. with Greta and Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I thought was amazing. Like, he's like, oh, I yeah. thought of this new song for you. And because music is so personal to her, yeah. she knew something. She knew was right up. away. Yeah. yeah. That was great. <laughs> like, it, I had to rewind it mm. because I'm like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> the first time I ever watched it outside of the movie theater, it was the same way. It was like, wait. I, I didn't fully grasp what was happening in the scene at first. I was like, wait, what was wrong with that song? Mm-hmm. And then 
when I got a little older and understood the whole thing, right. I was Personal like, oh, wait, yeah, he just yeah. came back from L.A. without her and wrote this, like, amazing <laughs> song about romantic song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the um, the voicemail mm-hmm. writing the the clapback song yeah. via voicemail, <laughs> which is amazing. It wasn't supposed to inspire you. It was supposed to tell you to <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, he... Tried to make some. Was that that wasn't Lost Stars? Was it? No, it okay. was not Lost Stars. Lost right. Stars was one of the first songs the two of them record in, right, yeah. um, before they go to New York, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, I just enjoyed like the whole sequence of them like going out into the city. Like, yeah. Gorilla album recording. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. That spoke to me. H- Harken back to my younger days. <laughs> That's still me now because I have no budget. <laughs> I don't have any budget either. <laughs> I say I work at BCAT sometimes. That doesn't even help. Mm, it is nice to have the studio here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, lost my place here. Um, we talked about that. Uh, any favorite fun facts about the film you can share with us? Yeah, so there's actually a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, the The biggest one that I thought was really cool to know when I first learned about it is the the apartment that the record label buys him, uh, Greta and Dave mm-hmm. when he, they first arrived to New York. Yeah, uh, That's Adam Levine's real-life Oh really? New York apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not his main house. It's 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 just one of like his summer homes, if you will. Oh, but yeah. yeah, it's his actual apartment. Um save some money with that one. I would assume that was probably the reason. Yeah. But just to know that that's the house he lives in is insane. Mm-hmm. Or one of the houses he lives in yeah. is insane. Um the kid that asks for uh, the, uh Dan to give them cigarettes in the alley mm-hmm. uh is Mark Ruffalo's son. <laughs> that <laughs> um Another Which, Avenger kid cameoing f- in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I find really funny. Um, and then the first album that Dave Cole produces mm-hmm. when they're in New York, um, I think it's called like Jane's Songs or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact wording that the movie uses, mm-hmm. but it's a reference to Maroon 5's first album, Songs About Jane. Oh. <laughs> Wow, I did not pick up on that. Uh, no, I, I honestly didn't until I was reading, and this was years ago, I was reading the mm-hmm. trivia page on IMDb, mm-hmm. um, and it mentioned that. And then this, the next time I viewed the movie, I noticed when they hold up the CD, you can you can oh, see okay. it. Um, but yeah, it's Jane's songs or something along those lines, so it's a reference to songs about Jane. Shows how much I know about Maroon 5. Yeah, I, I was a, I'm was a big Maroon 5 fan. I, so, I really like older, a lot of their songs. Older Maroon 5 fan. Yeah. I haven't liked their last couple albums. but okay. uh, And then the final one that isn't really a fun fact, but it's something worth mentioning mm-hmm. with the film is that the the director and, and writer of this film uh, yeah. has largely disowned this film and, and no longer which I don't understand <laughs> acknowledges or likes it. Uh, it was his first foray into Hollywood. Okay. Uh, and like big time Hollywood because all mm-hmm. the films that he had done before that were like shoestring indie films yeah. kind of thing, shoestring budget indie films. And he just had a terrible time filming this movie he he's he stated in a couple of interviews that he will never work with like celebrity actors ever again uh because he he noted specifically kiera knightley was just a nightmare to work with uh who needed to and i remember reading all this needed to have a an entourage with her on set like pretty much all the time which Mm. drove production time like to go up yeah (laughs) a bunch um and he just didn't like studio interference and stuff like that He, he preferred to work on his own <laughs> accord. It's kind of ironic when you consider the trajectory of the plot in this film. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because he, now that you remind me, he, does, he doesn't do Hollywood stuff anymore. He did uh, he did Sing Street. 
Yeah, uh, I he, not that he necessarily won't work in Hollywood ever again. It's that he won't work with like celebrity actors, right? Ever again, like, and he, he'd prefer not to work in Hollywood. But yeah. that's kind of what you have to do if you're going to make money right. off this stuff. And Sing Street's another indie film that yeah. I, I haven't seen yet. Yeah, it's ironic that three movies in a row are all music related. Yeah, <laughs> hey, some people yeah. have a style. And they have their tropes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you know. Like, we oh, all yeah. have our patterns. Yeah, I'm, I I remember specifically uh, in college, I was telling one of my friends, I was writing a script that was like, a, I think it was like a, I was trying to my hand at a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend was like, it's not a sci-fi film. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> we all have our tropes. But it's good to branch out and try mm-hmm. some stuff sometimes. Um I thought it was interesting. Um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> um, this film uh, it premiered at Sundance. Did it? Yeah, I don't think that's a fact. I even knew. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Wait. Well, it makes sense to me because the Weinstein's were like the I, I want to say the hound dogs mm. of Sundance. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a that's, that's a very not weird. even a metaphor yeah. that people use. No. Um, I just made that up. Hey, I think it gets the point across, though. Well, yeah, they would literally go to Sundance and scoop everything up. <laughs> so I can totally understand John Carney's uh, hesitation to ever do Hollywood again. Mm. Especially so. working with people like the Weinstein brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even, like, again, speaking of, like, Sundance, like, that's a lot of guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a lot of independent funding, just making it work however you can. And then... Yeah, Sundance is, like, the king of indie film festivals. Right. Like, it, it's yeah. the it's the final boss before you get to actual Hollywood. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I went to Sundance twice, and some of the movies that I saw, I've never heard of again. <laughs> and some have branched out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of touch and go. I've always wanted to go to Sundance. It's fun. Curious, it's cold. So. <laughs> um, yeah, where is it held usually? Uh, Park City in Utah. Oh, in That's Utah. Where it is okay, what year, a yeah. weird place to yeah. hold such an important film festival. <laughs> it's I, probably the only important th- thing to ever happen in Utah. Well, Robert Redford, I don't know if he's the one who started it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he lives out there. Ah, I, it's possible. This is me not remembering anything about my senior seminar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, I, I definitely recommend going at least once in your life. Mm, you, I'd love to. You, there's like, there's Q&As after every film. Um, you see random celebrities walking the street. Nice. Uh, I saw Danny McBride. Nice. <laughs> uh, I saw Josh Gad before he blew up. Cool. But and I was the only one that knew who he was. <laughs> what did you know him from? Well, um, it was a, a sitcom called Back to You. Uh, it, it, know, it aired on Fox. No, it was a, it was a casualty of the writer's strike in mm. 2007. But it starred uh, Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton. Okay. Um, they were two like very famous. Uh, co-anchors on a morning news show okay and they had a kid like in secret yep. and so like it was the whole navigating working <laughs> while trying to like secretly like parent this kid together that's pretty cool and josh gad was like the weatherman no he was like the intern okay producer or something yeah i feel like that's the kind of role for yeah. him when you said weatherman i was like i don't think that's and, a uh, josh gad role <laughs> and ty burrell was on it too okay this is all before modern family anyway I mean, that, yeah. that's a that's a random tangent <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, you remember the show Entourage? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the lead actor who played Vinny Chase uh, snubbed me. Okay. Yeah, nice. not, I'm, I'm not like calling him out or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Sundance, great time. Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think allows audiences to connect with this film? I know it, it's probably not a film a lot of people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I hadn't heard about it until you brought yeah. it to me, but what do you think allows viewers to connect with it? I think it's just such the, the well-written characters, mm-hmm. like all, all of the main characters and all of even the, like the, the secondary and tertiary characters are so well-written mm-hmm. that I think it's easy to find something you relate to in every character mm-hmm. because they each embody stereotypes without feeling like a stereotype, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, and it's not just musicians. It's it's filmmakers. It's oh, artists. Yeah. It's it's entertainers. It's anybody trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Get their workout and stuff. Um, to the people that do know this film, what do you think allows it to stand the test of time? I think it's just like it. Even if it was you know twenty thirteen before like streaming services were huge and social media was huge and everything like that, I feel like it's still a story a lot of people can relate to mm-hmm. even with modern technology. Cause like there's always going to be people trying to make it or mm-hmm. there's always going to be people trying to, to not work with corporations right? Yeah. <laughs> or work with record labels or, mm-hmm. or wanting to do stuff like go out and film in a field yeah. or go out and record in the middle of a city or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And I think regardless of any technology or any, um, any assumed ease, of get of making it nowadays there's still a bit of that story that can relate to anyone <laughs> yeah absolutely would you consider it a modern classic no okay <laughs> moving on uh, i i it's one of those films that i kind of wish was or like i think should be because of its timeless nature of its story okay. and its characters but it's definitely a movie that was forgotten by time. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, that leads me into my second to last question. Why do you think people should see Begin Again? Again, it goes back. Like I just said, it's it's a timeless story with timeless characters. There's, there's, they're all in body stereotypes without feeling like a stereotype, and there's something in it for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in the creative field, you should watch this movie because it's such a feel-good, inspiring kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. not ev- I mean, not everyone can be Dan and Greta, but mm. it gives you hope. I mean, everyone could try to be Dan and Greta, even yeah. if you're not specifically. Just try. Just, just, do so- <laughs> just make something. Just don't do anything illegal. That's very important to note. I, <laughs> we have never done anything wrong, ever. Oh, definitely not. I, lives. I definitely haven't trespassed on a bunch of different properties that I definitely shouldn't have. Oh, whatever. That's all right. <laughs> um, so just to wrap it up, put it all on a bow, why does Begin Again matter to you? It's just a movie I can keep coming back to. It's mm-hmm. it's that that movie that even though I've watched the plot or watched the movie thirty something times and know the plot and probably could recite most of the dialogue to you mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, it's still there's still something in it every time. Like I mentioned, every time I watch it, there's something different I notice mm-hmm. um, and something more, and it, it all goes within the context of where I am in life when I watch it again. Yeah, um, and and that's why it matters to me. Is it, it's just a nice movie that I can put on every now and again to feel good about myself and feel inspired for a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a little time capsule mm-hmm. for you. Like these, these movies that we revisit year after years and how like they hold a mirror up to us in mm-hmm. a way. Sort of see like how we've changed and stuff. Definitely. How we've grown and how we haven't grown. Um, some of us are in our thirties still making lift ups. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's not. Um, well, James, uh, that was this was great. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm glad I could finally get you on the show. <laughs> I'm happy. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that I could actually finally fulfill my yeah. promise that I wanted to be a guest on this show. And uh, I know you'll probably be back at some point. Oh, absolutely. I know you and I can talk about 
any manner of movies. Oh yeah, but, I, um, there's another really not obs- not as obscure as Begin Again film that I'd like to talk about at some point. Uh, now you see me. Oh yeah, that magician we've, we've heist talked, movie. We've talked yeah. about this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one nobody really remembers. And ironically well, remember enough, it. another one with Mark Ruffalo in it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a big Mark Ruffalo fan? He just happens to be in every film that I like. Okay, fair. <laughs> he, he's he's good. He's bad. It depends on the role he's in. Yeah. Wow, we, we've covered everything from <laughs> from Sundance to canceled Fox sitcoms mm-hmm. today. To well, when you have a runtime of an hour, it's down. That's it, true. It's bound to happen. Yeah, but I I'm very thankful that you've introduced me to a new mm. film because I think there are a lot of films like this that don't get the attention of major blockbusters. Oh yeah, definitely. Stuff, but are definitely worthy of the attention, and that's also kind of a lot about what Begin Again is mm-hmm. is giving attention to the the girl on the open mic who isn't really getting a lot of attention from the yeah. from the crowd but then again another, <laughs> another la la land reference mm. someone in the crowd just hears you and then yeah i also think and i don't want to run our time too far no, over I, here i think we're good yeah um i also think it's just important to remember movies like these mm-hmm. uh because begin again came out just before hollywood shifted a little bit yeah to focus less on like smaller like maybe chance movies if you will yeah to just exclusively blockbusters Mm -hmm. if you can't promise the studio you'll make a billion dollars off of your idea leave the room they don't want to hear it anymore i think i i hear your your guest for your (laughs) podcast uh we we're running a little late schedule wise but james is about to go tape his podcast right after (laughs) this uh so James is going to take a break, <laughs> rest his vocal cords. Uh, James, thanks again for yeah. being here. Folks, if you want to check out JHR or any of James's work, uh, find him on Instagram and YouTube at James's House of Rock. And uh, you can also see a lot of his work here on BCAT. And don't go looking for any of my work beyond this podcast. Uh, and please don't look for anything that's older than um, like the last five years, please. <laughs> Unless it makes us money. Well. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Uh, folks, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, if you have some movie recommendations, or, you know, maybe if you don't enjoy the podcast and you want to just criticize me, that's fine. It's, <laughs> as long as it's constructive. Uh, you can reach me at moviesthatmatterpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow the show on Instagram at moviesthatmatterpod. And as my usual joke at the end of every episode, you can follow us on Twitter at moviesthatmatter. But minus the second T in that, so say it with a weird Tommy Wiseau accent. Movies that matter. Was that was was it just taken? Was the it was taken. taken? Movies that matter was taken. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to minus that last T. Beautiful. Uh, James, thanks again for being here. Absolutely. And thank you all out there for listening. Give Begin Again a chance if you never heard about it before. Uh, once again, this has been Movies That Matter. I've been your host, Chris Flaherty. Remember, entertainment is subjective. It's not a bad thing. When the world gets crazy, just escape into your favorite movie or television show for a while. Uh, Thank you, and good night.